Force is what gives the Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us, it penetrates us, it binds the galaxy together. We would be honored if you would join us. It's a trap! Don't give in to hate. That leads to the dark side. I love you. I know. The Force is with you, young Skywalker. You are not a Jedi yet. Believe it. Welcome to yet another Star Wars special episode of the Blokebusters podcast. I'm Paul, and this time when we're going to be talking about episode 5, I decided to bring in uh, another good friend to the podcast. It is B-Rob himself. How you doing, sir? I am here, and I'm ready to dag on <laughs> talk about some stuff. Space. <laughs> Indeed, yes. Um, now, for those of you that might have downloaded this as your first episode of Blokebusters, uh, first off, welcome. Thanks for thanks Thank for choosing you. in. Uh, uh, secondly, go and listen to the previous one uh, because uh, I'm not going to be going too much into why we're doing this whole thing because I cover that extensively in the in the episode four review. Uh, but yes, uh, for. For anyone that still needs a refresher, uh, I previously uh, to this week had not seen any of the original Star Wars trilogy and I am making amends and having people come on and talk about them. And for this one, as I said, we are doing episode five, The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. So first off, uh, I feel we should probably uh, get a good uh, register for where you stand on these films and be up because uh, people have heard my backstory with this. But how about yourself? Um, how did you first see the original trilogy? Um, Randomly. Uh, I host a podcast called The Random Ramblings with Rob. But um, yeah, um, I don't remember. Okay. I, it might have just been, you know, ran on TV. And um, I, if you're in my age bracket, way back when, uh, certain channels used to play uh, actual movies <laughs> like USA, TNT, TBS, and um, other things. It was cut for time, of course, because they had commercial breaks and yada, yada, yada. Right. I was about to say the Disney Channel, but Disney didn't own this proper then. They did not. But. I watched it somehow. It was just on my TV, okay. and I wind up watching it. I didn't hate it, you know, and I found out there was three of them. Right. So I wind up watching them. And um, when I was asked to come on to help out with this uh, journey <laughs> that we're going through right now for Paul, um, I had not watched the original trilogy in some time. Okay. You know, the new ones came out. There's a, what, seven... Eight and nine. That's right. Uh, freaking Rogue One, Solo, and uh, what? That's it, right? Uh, the, of the, the newest ones, yes. That's been uh, the only thing they brought out so far. Yeah. So the new stuff, because, you know, I feel like my taste in movies evolved with the technology because I'm a special effects and visual effects guy. Oh, yes. I love those things in movies. Me too. So, so when they updated and brought this, you know, into the current century of movies, you know, I enjoy the new films for what they bring to the table visually. Right. So to go back today, just a couple of hours ago, and watch episode five again, which I had not watched in so long, and I did not revisit because I know there was the Lucas 
uh, freaking re-edits. You know, they added some visual effects. They added some scenes. Yep. And elongated some stuff to the original trilogy. And I didn't want to murk up my memory of what I originally saw before those edits. That's why I never went back to revisit them. Right. But to help out a friend <laughs> to be here for Paul in his journey, I fired up the old Disney Plus and I watched episode five today. And, well, we'll talk about it more yeah. in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I will say, uh, much like in the last episode, I, uh, I have a good friend that was able to lend me uh, his version, which are the uh, de-specialized versions. So uh, they are the ones, uh, at least based on my understanding, uh, they have been touched up a little bit just in terms of uh, bringing them to higher definition. Higher quality. Yeah. But they have removed all of the little edits and things that have occurred over time. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that I I have been trying to watch these. Um, I still have not watched uh, episode six. I, that is that is coming up in the next few days. But. Yeah, I've tried to watch these as close as possible to someone who went to see them for the first time when they first came out. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, actually had a very interesting conversation with Mike about that, and people listening to this now will have heard that. Um, and uh, uh, you yourself will get to hear that when it comes out. Uh, Anything with Mike Fallick on it, you should listen to. Oh, yes. It, it, it goes all over the place. I mean, <laughs> it's going to go all over the place here, maybe. Absolutely, yes. Definitely. That, that is actually why when he came on to discuss his documentary, uh, I ended up releasing a second episode afterwards, which was the hour we talked before we started talking about the documentary, uh, because that's what he does. <laughs> exactly. He does that. <laughs> Shit, we was talking about yeah, 25, yeah, sure. almost 30 minutes before we started this one. Uh, that, that, that's actually kind of what I love about doing these podcasts is that you end up just having fun conversations with people. So, <laughs> yes, and what I enjoy the most. So, yes, yeah, start, starting off with this film, um, uh, I, I will say, as people will have heard in the previous episode, um, I was, uh, I was about half an hour into the first film before it really started to grip me because uh, I felt it started off very slow. Um, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed them not just telling you everything because modern films do that all the time, uh, but the actual pacing and everything I thought was too slow. This film does not have that problem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely a stronger yeah. start uh, and like really straight into it and... And I, I really actually liked that it started off just three years later. It's, n- it's not immediately picking it up. It's, oh, no, some time has gone by and some stuff has happened that we're just not going to know about. And that was like the purpose of the, um, the, the, the crawl at the beginning of the movie. You know, they catch you up to speed what happened from the last movie to this movie. And, you know, my memory is murky on these, the original trilogy, you know, because like how I said, I didn't want to <laughs> go back and sully my, my feelings about, you know, the film before they made yeah. all the um, add-ons and additions to it. But I f- kind of feel like the original trilogy, it was all shot in one shot. You know, it was just like, all right, you have this first movie, you have The Crawl, then 
you have the next movie, you have the crawl, and then you have the the final movie in the original trilogy, and it just all flows together seamlessly yeah, and whatnot, it, without it, a lag. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll have to get back to you. Well, yeah, you, of course you don't know, but <laughs> from what I can remember, <laughs> at least that's how I kind of felt because, as you said, I read the the opening um with the yeah I guess they call that the prelude. Yeah, I mean, as you say, it is just called the opening crawl where it just goes on up the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah they they get you up to speed, and then the movie just don't waste no time. It just start kicking the drama and everything. Yeah, and and once again, the a film starts on a star destroyer. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm interested to see if they're going to do the same thing again in the next one. Uh, mm-hmm. And anyone that knows the film well is either smiling or yelling at me for having just said that. But there yes. we go. <laughs> we apologize. <laughs> uh, but yes, so so yeah, I I don't want to spend all of our time just going through the plot incrementally um no. but but there are some things that i definitely wanted to kind of touch on uh, that we can kind of go through um i mean as you as you said um you know you are definitely a special effects visual guy that's definitely my thing as well um uh, i'm presuming it's because i am partially deaf so the visuals have always been a much bigger draw for me it's mm-hmm. actually one of the reasons why i enjoyed the avatar film so much just because i didn't i didn't care too much about the plot i was there because it was the most gorgeous tech demo i'd ever seen yeah Um, big blue cat people (laughs) running around (laughs) exactly um but yeah i i was watching this and um uh, of course i saw they were on hoth and that they were riding around on tauntaun and i was like oh okay i i know at least a couple of lines coming up (laughs) based on that uh but uh, i will say that I was pleasantly surprised at how well the effects hold up for the Tontons. I mean, Mm yeah, there are definitely some moments where it's it's quite clear that it's either stop motion or there's a matte painting or whatever. And and that that is always of the time. I mean, Mm -hmm. as I did mention in the previous episode, I grew up on old British sci-fi uh, so I am definitely used to those uh, those types of things and it, it was good to see like they, they really did a good job of handling the up close shots versus the far away shots and uh, yes. um, yeah I, I thought that was that was really cool um, yeah. and it uh, reminded me in a way of um, when I seen it you know today recently um, it put me in the mind of uh, the original Clash of the Titans movie because they had a lot of stop motion. Um, they did animation yes. in that film. Yeah, the like, uh, I, I remember the old. Uh, what, what am I thinking as well? Oh, I might be thinking Jason and the Argonauts, the old skeleton uh, warriors that they would fight. Um, I I might be uh, conflating the two there together, um, but yeah. It's, well, yeah, the Clash of Titans they had like a Perseus and Medusa and all that. And that stuff. was it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I believe it was uh, Jason and the Argonauts was something that was like it was on at least once a year uh, in England. It was just on like late night television type thing. Uh, so I would sounds like have... a good band title too. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah. I I could see them traveling across uh, America in, in a van. <laughs> yes, Jason I could see it too. 
Right. Very Scott Pilgrim of them. Very much. Very much so. <laughs> and I must tell you, sir, mm-hmm. since we've spoken last, we uh, covered the Scott Pilgrim film, which you should all go back to in the archive and listen to. Absolutely. Since then, I've read all six books, and I've yeah. watched the movie numerous of times because I made my daughter read the books, and then <laughs> we watched the film together. And ever since we watched that film, and after reading the books, we've watched it maybe seven or eight times already. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and I find something new just about every time. Yeah. Yeah, there's just so much stuff in that thing. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, um, back to Star Wars. Yes, absolutely. I, I was going to say, I'll, I'll have to uh, catch up with you a little bit later about that one. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I was going to say. That yeah, I was enjoying seeing the Tauntauns and everything, and then Luke just gets sneak attacked by something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I, we we can say that's like a um, a half Yeti. There you go. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, uh, I had something as well. Um, come back to uh, the other thing there, but uh, yeah, when when it then later cuts to him. In the ceiling, and I was like, okay, I've seen, again, numerous references to this in various things. Uh, my initial reaction, though, was how did the Yeti get Luke in the ceiling? Like, what? Now, <laughs> I thought about this as well, and the only thing that I can think of, I mean, we can say that this thing is intelligent. You know, it lives in this barren wasteland. And it survives, apparently. I mean, it got the Tauntaun. It got Luke. Stealth-like because it blends in with his environment. And, you know, I, I could say it's partially humanoid, which all the bigger creatures in this universe seem to be, like Chewie. Yeah. You know, that's it, it, he's a, what, a Wookiee or whatever. But, I mean, it's just a furry humanoid type thing or whatever. So they possess intelligence that we may not understand as human beings. Right. But this thing has probably been here forever because they found Hoff. That's where they made their circuit base at. And not knowing the terrain, they just found a barren planet and thought they could hide out. So I'm thinking this thing has been there for years. It's been living off the land. And it knows some shit, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and the only thing that I can logically think of is how they stuck him in the ceiling because I had the same question. And I'm just like, well, shit, he probably wet his feet and held him up till the ice froze because that is a, a, a frozen tundra and it doesn't take long for things to freeze as you see when um freaking Han goes out to find Luke they told him they warned him he's like the temperatures are dropping it's getting later in the day and your Tauntaun will freeze to death before it gets to the first checkpoint yeah yes uh, it yeah it is obviously ridiculously cold there like yeah i i'm assuming antarctica is a lovely balmy place but yeah i i just it, it was just my initial thought to see what they're just like that's interesting like it'd be like yeah it would be and like this coming... is just the start of a piece of continuity that carried out throughout the whole film just remember him hanging from the ceiling people we'll mm-hmm. cover it later oh yes <laughs> but yes um cutting cutting back uh i I still see, I said it in the first episode of this that we did, and I'm going to say it here again. Um, Han, in my opinion, is just the best character so far mm-hmm. in the trilogy. 
um, just just because of the way he's written. I mean, it's definitely the character that is I find the most interesting and the most fully developed so far. Because, um, okay. for instance, you've got Luke, who clearly, um, as of the end of this, very conflicted. Um, yes. But he is a relatively simple character. So you really boil it down so far. Because saying he's a simple kind of man? Uh, yes. Yes, I am. Because, uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, obviously he, he grew up with his aunt and uncle and is then ha- had them taken from him. So he goes off on this quest because he, you know, he realizes he has to, and he's given his father's lightsaber, and like he's starting to learn a bit about the Force. But it's like, really, the only reason why we're focusing so much on him initially is that we know that he's going to turn into a Jedi, mm-hmm. um, just based on everything people are saying. And then we realize that he's clearly a pivotal character within the Force because everyone else is telling us that but at this point um he doesn't realize it yeah like he, he's not fully realized it he's not fully capable of utilizing the force properly and he's also you know he 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 really is just kind of along for the ride um i'm he's just he's just a lowly young kid that been stuck on a, a planet with his aunt and uncle just shooting at womp rats and shit. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it, it's interesting that, because obviously now that I've, I've seen the, uh, the sequels to this trilogy and I've seen where Luke ultimately ended up. Um, I, I cannot speak to what the initial ending for Luke was going to be or anything like that. Um, yeah. And how it got changed as the, property changed hands yeah. but because there uh, was a lot of i would say i guess third party writings for this whole series oh that yes got the kibosh <laughs> put on it when disney brought it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it, and i know that there are so many like in canon writing by so many people that have expanded beyond these films but yeah then disney said nah fuck that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, because I mean, even just to touch on it a little bit, Luke went to the dark side. Then he came back, and then I think there, he had a set of twins of his own. And it was just a whole bunch of shenanigans from what people had told me because I never sought out this material. By the time I really got interested in it, you couldn't find the shit anymore because Disney was like, "No, <laughs> put it all in the pile, put kerosene on it, and burn this shit, <laughs> and then put that burnt up pile in the vault." And then to, to even touch on that stuff that's supposed—I I do air quotes here. We're not we're not visual, right. but the stuff that is not canon anymore, you still see the presence of it within the new material. So oh, absolutely, they pick and choose what the fuck they want. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I I do think there are some things that even though they aren't necessarily an official part of the canon that Disney was trying to. Uh, established when they bought the the franchise like if they didn't have the knights of ren somewhere in it there were going to be riots i think because yeah. there was such a huge thing in, in the, the law I'm, I'm just even glad 
which, you know, I've never seen this either. But I'm glad they're acknowledging things that they've done as far as like uh, the animated Clone Wars series and the uh, Rebels animated series. They're referencing those things now in their current canon from the, those TV shows. Because yeah. uh, you see it um, evident in the freaking um, the Mandalorian. Mandalorian series, which the season two is about to start here at the end of the month, I believe. Yes, it is. I'm very much looking forward to that. <laughs> yes, yeah, Sasha Banks is in it. I'm a professional wrestling fan. If you don't know who Sasha Banks is, go look her up. <laughs> I say, well, yeah, they had uh, well, they had Gina Guerrero in the first one, and now they got mm-hmm. Sasha Banks in this one. It seems like they're they're really pulling from that world for a few things here. So. Yeah, and then um, Sasha Banks is smart as well because professional wrestlers can't get medical insurance. So if she's an actor and a SAG mm. actor at that, she can get medical insurance. Indeed, and so she- smart on her part. Yeah, and she's employed by Disney, so she can probably get the good insurance. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sure. I'm sure they look after their cast members, as they're called. <laughs> but yes, um, you know, Luke. As I said, I, I kind of feel Luke is a fairly not pun, absolutely not intended. Lukewarm character, um, and <laughs> and then you've got Leia, who you really still don't know much about. Yeah. I mean, you know, she's clearly she seems conflicted as well. I mean, she she seems conflicted in the matters of just normal people because she's a princess and she's been running government and things of that nature. And to deal with common folks is not really in her forte. So she's just kind of bewildered in that aspect of it when she deals with Han and stuff like that. Yeah, and and you know, she's a princess, but she is also a. Uh, I, I cannot remember for life me. Is she a general in this one? I believe. Okay, I so. yeah. So she, so she's a general in the resistance, and a princess, and it's mm-hmm. like she, and you know, to to the writer's credit, they wrote her very well as someone who would be a general in a resistance. Mm-hmm. The and it's crazy because you have the dichotomy between the two because they are twins. One was raised in squalor and never known the the riches and the joys of the outer world the life and she was born into that essentially and she doesn't know the squalor and the struggle of the common folk which she's now they're both being thrust to into each other's world and they just don't know how to handle it right now yeah um and uh that actually uh, brings up uh, a note that i did put down um i was aware that there was at some point in this trilogy a problematic kiss shall we say yes um, now i i saw the first one i saw episode four and there's a bit where she kisses him on the cheek for luck and i was like okay that's not that's it fine. right like that that's yeah. not it um and then i saw this one and i saw the the kiss i was like there it is there's that problematic scene um very, very, very uncomfortable yeah and and I'm, again, I am fairly certain that in this film, at no point, again, is it mentioned that they are related in the slightest. So no. I actually think that wasn't written until they were writing the next film. I don't think yeah. at the time they filmed that scene that the they knew writers they were going knew. after that. Yeah, because <laughs> unless, and again, I have not seen six yet. Unless they explicitly deal with that scene in six after finding out that they are brother and sister, then 
Yeah, they had no idea that that was going to be the case at the end. I think I, 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 my, my memory is murky on it. You know, you can pretty much say that I, I, I've never seen the sixth one. I mean, I've had okay. it so long ago. And, you know, how I spoke about all three of these movies being filmed, like I felt like it was filmed all continuously, all together. It's just like one big movie uh, cut into three parts. Right. So when I was watching this movie, I was thinking about shit from the first movie and looking for scenes from the third movie. So I was really confused in this stuff, but I, I do believe in the next one that you're going to watch that it was kind of addressed a little bit. I know at the very end, you know, there's dialogue. Well, you know, I can't tell you. I can't tell <laughs> you because you haven't seen it. So, but never mind. Okay. Forget what I was saying. Okay. Move on. <laughs> so, so at some point, there's dialogue in the next film. Got it. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that would have been a brave decision if they went silent for the last one in the trilogy. Um, go, go the route of, uh, was it Mel Brooks' silent movie? Just tap, 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 tap. All right. So, yeah. Um, like I, I still say that uh, out of the main characters that we're looking at, I still say Han, hand down the best character. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, and I did enjoy. You really got to see Darth Vader being Darth Vader in this mm-hmm. one. Um, it was. It was. Well, actually, you got to see Darth Vader be Darth Vader in Rogue One. You did, yes. That was, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed seeing, and it's again. I've actually, <laughs> for reasons that nobody knows, um, I have seen the Robot Chicken Star Wars special, oh, where yeah, yeah, yeah. where you know they, they were making fun of uh, the whole thing of like, well, you know, Darth Vader actually can't choke people out; they just pretend, and then they wheel them off and put on a silly mustache, and it's Jenkins, yeah, the new guy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I. I'd seen references to the scenes, uh, but uh, I still had not seen the actual scenes. Um, and I actually, I did mark down as I was watching it um, that I found it really interesting that they were like, oh, he can do his force choke through a video call. Yeah, this is Chocopalooza <laughs> in this film. <laughs> so he, he went through, uh, what, three admirals or two admirals? Uh, let's see. Uh, definitely he choked the out one? the first one through the TV. Yeah. And then he choked out his predecessor, but I think that was it. Yeah, yeah. I so think... he had three admirals throughout this whole film. <laughs> yeah, it it is interesting. It, it's clear that this is a, a not a running joke, but like everyone in charge knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so as soon as he says admiral, he's like, "Fuck!" It's like couldn't have been the guy next to me. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, I, I enjoyed seeing Darth Vader being Darth Vader, and and I will say I I do know uh, the the guy that played Vader who's actually in the suit uh, is not the same guy that is it, the voice. It of is, Darth Vader. Yes, it is not uh, James Earl Jones. It is actually a a guy called David Prowse. Um, mm-hmm. For those people that don't know, David Prowse is uh, from England. Uh, yes, very, and very English. English name. <laughs> yes, um, and he also has a very, uh, a very Western English accent. Yes, so, he does. <laughs> so you can imagine on set, everyone reacting to these lines that you we hear, 
James Earl Jones delivering with such gravitas. Uh, not quite the same um, for <laughs> on set. Uh, would have been very much like... Um, for, for people that don't know, the type of accent he has would be the equivalent of saying, like, someone that you would equate to being a farmer in the South of America. Like, oh, shit. Like, that's okay, the I'm, type I'm of accent. With that, then. Yeah, that, that's the type of accent he has. Um, so, yeah, it would be like there's a farmer just wearing a black helmet going around barking orders at everyone. Um, so. Word. So yes, uh, very um, very interesting to think about that. Very like, interesting another. choice. Yes, yeah. um, <laughs> it was like this is not going to work. <laughs> no, and supposedly before the first film came out, David Prowse did not know that they were not going to use his voice. I don't seems, know how. Right. I don't know how true that actually is. That feels like it might have just been a a thing that they asked him to say in interviews, but. Uh, uh, but yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, it's it's plausible. I, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't put it past nobody. I, I, I've oh, no. heard of things like that happening before. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, one thing I I figured I'd ask I'd ask you now because um, yeah, obviously you you're not going to spoil it for me if there is a full explanation in the next one. Okay. Um, what is with the weird Darth Vader egg thing? Like the capsule that he's in. That's like that. Like they they go to him like twice, and he's just in this black egg that opens up, and then he's just like, "What do you want?" Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure, man. It might be like his his commands in his his spank bank or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> you know, he is part cyborg or whatever. Maybe it's his charging station. You know how your phone needs a dock or whatever. You got to you got to plug in every now and then to charge his stuff. Uh, yeah, it could be. Uh handle that. And yep, that absolutely could be it. Uh You'd be like, "What? <laughs> what is it that you want?" <laughs> Yeah, and and you got to see uh, the back of his uh, charred head in mm-hmm. this one, so it's uh, yeah interesting because um, very Iron Man of him just have the machine put his helmet on. Yep, absolutely. That <laughs> uh, and hell, maybe that could be where they got the initial thought for it when they were coming up with that first Iron Man thing. This watching this film of the original trilogy, it was kind of jarring. Or whatever, because you know we're gonna get into it later. You know the choreography with some of the fights and everything, and just some of the stunts. You know, <laughs> I, I like I said, I'm a, I'm a visuals guy, special effects, and to watch the new trilogy and all the you know in between films and the you know the prequels to certain characters and all this other stuff, the Mandalorian even is just like jarring to see this slow motion molasses sand quicksand type movements and this and then you even get the prequels yeah that precede this that look better than this in certain aspects and it's just it's weird <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it yeah it this film clearly is uh a product of its time when it comes to that because yeah obviously they were rotoscoping the lightsaber effects onto it um, uh i i did actually think that even taking that into account uh, and obviously jumping ahead when Luke and Vader are 
uh, you know, squaring off. And it's not just, you know, balls to the wall fighting because it wouldn't be. You know, like Vader has said multiple times throughout the entire film, do not kill Luke. We want him. So he's not fighting to kill. And Mm -hmm. Luke is clearly not trained enough to be able to uh, even really injure Vader. Right. You know, I didn't. I didn't even think about that. You know, it's, it's, I'm realizing it now as you say it. You know, it was, it's just kind of like, in essence, how I would fuck around with my son. You know, I would just like, <laughs> I know I could beat him up real bad if I wanted to, but you know, I'm just <laughs> trying to show him some stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's 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 interesting because um, I I was thinking that, especially in in the first film, there there are several shots and fights and things where it's like uh, okay like clearly this was uh there's going to be an effect in here so we're just going to kind of do it type thing uh and then uh in this one i wasn't and i'm not expecting yeah a lightsaber battle the likes of which we got in either the prequels or the sequels to these Mm -hmm. uh but i did appreciate the more slow methodical fight between luke and vader because it is pretty much just vader attempting to capture or persuade luke throughout the entire fight yeah so and it was more kind of like um a horror type deal or whatever this is the big bad monster that he's seen killed his his teacher his mentor you know right in front of him and everything and it's just like all these bundled nerves and just realizing the potential and powers that he are coming into and it's just like and then he's just an angsty teen or whatever the <laughs> fuck. He's just like, ah! Yep. <laughs> so it's just weird. <laughs> yeah, pretty on point there. Yeah, he, he is he is just someone that, as you know, Yoda says, you know, it is dangerous for him to go now because he will be very tempted by the dark side. And, and you know, thinking of it as well, like, I still don't think at this point we have, a, at least, you know, for someone that would have, seen this originally we still don't really have a solid view on exactly what the dark side and the the light side of the force really encompass because obviously yoda says you know anger fear the easy way that's what the dark side is and Mm -hmm. clearly the people that we see in this film using the dark side of the force are the bad guys but Mm -hmm we still haven't really been fully told enough to get a good picture of the force. And I actually wonder if we're going to, in the next one, are they going to try and build on it again? Or is the force, has the force always just been this relatively nebulous thing? And because we know dark side, bad, light side, good, things have just kind of come from that. Like it. It's interesting. Yeah. I, I feel like there's been a lot of letting the audience decide what mm-hmm. is true. And then Star Wars goes deeper than you know what we see on the surface or whatever. Because we go back to all the canon, non-canon stuff. There's even a gray side, the neutral, to where people bend the light and the dark sides to their advantage. You know, so yeah. there's a whole other kettle of fish that we will not cover this episode no absolutely not <laughs> uh, which is a cop out yes because anytime you ask like a true star wars fan oh what's what's, what's your side and they're like 
the gray. <laughs> I can do both. Yeah, I I just kind of picture like the Switzerland of the force, like the ones that are just like I'm just staying out of this. I'll just you guys go yeah. ahead. I'll be yeah, over the here. One there, I would say they would be the ones that would react if it benefits them in a certain way. Yeah, you know, it's just like all right. The dark side is doing some stuff I kind of agree with. So I'm going to lean over this way a little bit, you know, not too much, but just, you know, <laughs> you know to, you know, feed my interests. And then, like, oh, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're messing up, you're messing up the, the hierarchy of things. Right? So I need to lean over to the good side a little bit to straighten this out and we get this flowing right and we're good to go. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say, uh, you know, if we were to boil it down to say, uh, D&D classes uh, definitely the rogue I would say that the, the grey side sounds like the rogue of the the force yeah no definitely I mean, not seen, have yeah. you seen the Mandalorian I have indeed seen the Mandalorian <laughs> I mean they would fall in that great classification right because I mean they just work for the highest bidder in their interest but they do abide by a code yep absolutely and yeah they, they definitely would fall there and I um, I, I will say, I, I was interested to, as I was watching it, I was like, are they going to say at any point, are they going to allude to the possibility that the Mandalorian that we see is force sensitive? And I was glad they didn't do that. I was really glad they didn't. And obviously we then got Baby Yoda. Uh, now, <laughs> now uh, what I've learned is um, at the end when dude pull out the black lightsaber, the dark saber, yep. is what it's called. And that was owned by the first Mandalorian to be accept, accepted into the Jedi Knights. Interesting. So that was his. Now, if you want to follow the lineage of the dark saber, <laughs> it, you have to watch the Clone Wars and the Rebel series because it okay. is filtered throughout that whole thing. It, the beginning... You know, it's Darth Maul had it at one point and everything. Hmm. And, you know, there's some more shit with Darth Maul. <laughs> That's crazy. And, uh, um, yeah, I know that one. I, I know yeah, that yeah. And, and throughout the Clone Wars and Rebels, where it ends with the Darksaber is where we see it in the end of the Mandalorian. So there's some continuity there. Okay. All right. Interesting. I'll have to. But that's an interesting story, too. I mean, if you want to look that up on your own time for your leisure, I would recommend it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think as a result of all this, I'm probably going to start looking into the animated series that are out there because uh, you know, I've I heard want, good things. I want to dive in so bad, but it's so <laughs> many seasons. There's <laughs> so many. Yes, yes, that, that's the big thing. I, I recently watched for the first time Avatar, The Last Airbender, um, and uh, yeah, that took me a while. <laughs> so yeah. I'm sure the Legend of Korra and oh my god yes I, I'm sure the Star Wars Clone Wars saga is going to take me some time <laughs> yeah but that, that dark saber is cool is is polar opposite of what a lightsaber is the lightsaber brings in light and um, it's used to reflect you know incoming ammunition and all kind of other crazy crap like that but the dark saber was meant to counter lightsaber it has a negative pull that pulls the lightsaber more toward the blade to help with the parrying and attack prowess of it. And it's not like a spherical type thing like a, a traditional lightsaber is. It's like a fucking blade. It's a butcher knife like. Hmm. It's 
fucking okay. crazy. All right. Okay. Yeah, definitely have to look into that. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, now, you know, one one thing I I didn't fully get the reasoning behind uh, mm-hmm. when I was watching this film again um, is that obviously we f- we find out that uh, Luke is visited by Ben as a false ghost saying, yes. you know, you need to go to Dagobah, you need to go find Yoda. And so Luke is rescued by Han, taken, taken back and goes out they take down the um the atats which i don't believe are referenced by name in the film so i wonder where no. that comes from um but <laughs> i think they call them walkers they did yeah mm-hmm. and and it was like good scene i i really enjoyed it i thought again i thought the graphics really held up there were definitely some bits where it was like okay like you know yeah they didn't overdo it because like you talk about the tauntauns and everything just when you kind of recognize that it was stop motion or whatever, they cut to a close scene. Yeah. Or they just cut away altogether to like the actual live person. And so it just kind of, you know, it breaks up what, you know, what you're perceiving. Yeah. And they did the same thing with the, the at-ats or the walkers or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and a uh, yeah, really good scene. And I, yeah, again, I've seen several references and stuff, so I, I kind of knew some of the things that happened. Uh, but it, I was definitely engrossed in the scene. I enjoyed the pacing of it. I thought it was very well done. Um, and then at the end, everyone's like, okay, let's go to the rendezvous point. And then Luke gets into his own thing and basically goes into space and says, oh, yeah, we're not going there. I'm going this way. So unless R2 sends out a, a message, a coded message to someone, Luke literally goes off on his own without telling a single person in the resistance that he's going somewhere or where he's going uh, yeah. and with absolutely no idea of how long he's going to be gone for. Um, Just like a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, and this I just is... want to go do my own thing, Dad. I just, I just, I just want to do what I want. <laughs> Yeah, and it's so. It was like I watched that, and I was like, "Okay, clearly we knew he was going. He was told by Ben to go. We know the plot has to have him go that way." But it's like, yeah, like, without telling anyone, like not, not even just a quick aside to Han, just like, you know, hey, I'll catch up with you guys later yeah. or something. Yeah, but no. <laughs> what I kind of was seeing here, because you watched the uh, prequels, correct? Uh, I have seen the prequels, yeah. Yeah, it's just like Luke's character and Anakin's character are kind of similar in a way. But yeah. they they each go a separate ways when it comes to that fork in the road to between light and dark because they were both rebellious. They both were angsty and everything. The only thing that Luke doesn't have in this trilogy is damn a love interest, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I believe if he would have had one, I mean, his outcome would have been similar to what his father's would. But he didn't have that. He didn't even really give a shit about the people who raised him, per se, <laughs> to yeah. where Anakin went all the fucking pieces <laughs> when he lost his mom or whatever, you know. But <laughs> I do see similarities between the two characters. And that's, you know, I guess, you know, you have the ability to create those things in hindsight because you had the original trilogy and you have that source material that you want to go back and make something that predates this and you want to link these two characters together somehow so you build in similarity yeah yeah and 
And I, I will say, I mean, obviously now watching this, I'm getting references that have been in the other things, or I'm, I'm getting more of a full picture of this thing. Um, and he's his father's child. <laughs> yeah, very much so. <laughs> and and then yeah, and then you get into the uh, the paradox of yes, he is his father's child because they took him in this and then retroactively put that in. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, and I. Mm. Um, I'm not going to say that I like the prequels anymore based on now knowing this information, but uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely interesting. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, he gets to, uh, what, what what he had to go, Dagobah? Dagobah, yeah. And he get there, he find Yoda, and it, once again, I haven't seen this in so fucking long, but I was like, <laughs> I don't remember Yoda acting that fucking immature. This oh. very childlike on his part in the very beginning. I mean, he had his means his reasons of why he was doing that, but I don't remember none of that. <laughs> and no, I'm just I like, just... I know stoic, you know, wise Yoda, even from the prequels mm-hmm. and from the the last one, you know, when he was kind of on his legs. You know, I can't even tell you that. Again, I do know yeah, the last still, shot. Still, I don't want to be a part of that. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be a part of your. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> fine. You know. uh, but yeah, I, I, I wrote it down because I was like, so this character, who is by pretty much all accounts one of, if not the most powerful Jedi's that had existed up to that point, mm-hmm. is first seen stealing food. Mm-hmm. Slapping R2 with his walking stick and then mm-hmm. blackmailing Luke for a lamp. Like, and, and obviously it's Frank Oz who is the voice and doing the puppetry. So actually feels very much like, is he really, like really listening to it? It did feel like he took Kermit and Miss Piggy put the voices yeah, together. Now, <laughs> and, now that you say that, you know, we use... Forming the sentence to say that you just said, I was just like, I was putting it together in my mind. I was like, you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and, and yeah, you know, all power to him. It is probably the best voice for the character, given the shriveled little guy that he is. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, it's, it's so weird that that is your introduction to this character that has just become this revered character in the lore, like that. This guy is so important, um, and one of the one of the things that I I remember reading about um, a while ago is yeah. Yoda is so powerful that there was one point where Count Dooku was trying to get him to turn to the dark side, and mm. you know they they were having an actual conversation about it, and. Yoda, to prove that that would be the worst thing ever, allowed himself to sort of turn to the dark side for one second. And it gave Dooku a premonition that was so terrifying that he never brought it up again. (laughs) So, yeah, like, this is someone who, if he ever had turned to the dark side, it would have ended the Jedi. (laughs) And... This is how we're introduced to him. <laughs> it, was, it was actually just, it was wonderful. 
it was, it was so nice to be like, wow, this is our introduction. Um, uh, I mean, on top of the fact that uh, I think I even wrote it down when R2 is sort of attacked by that weird swimming creature, I was like, oh, hello, random water monster that we'll never see again. Um, just like, whatever the hell that was, just a big eel, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it exists just to spit Arthur across a lake um, or whatever they were in. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. He's, I, like, I, he's like, I've been dealing with this for however many years I've been on this planet. So, I mean, you, you can deal with it for five minutes. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I also, <laughs> I, I did enjoy, like, now that, again, now that I know R2 has been in every single Star Wars film. So, mm-hmm. he's met Yoda. Like, he, yep. he has met Yoda many times. So, R2 knows that Yoda is Yoda. Yeah. Um, but he didn't say shit to Luke. <laughs> he, he did not say one word to Luke. And also, you know, given that the prequels came out way after this film did, you know, at this point in time, there is no reason for them to have thought that R2 would have met Yoda before. So like, it, it is, it's one of those things that I was looking at it like, oh, wow, the prequels really, like, they really created a plot hole by putting him in there. So, but yeah. I might be confusing it, but it was either the prequels or the new set of films. Oh, never mind, never mind. Yeah, it's the new set of films. Because, what, the last of the new trilogy? They had, um, was that, a three... Three CPO, CPO, whatever the fuck. C- the gold. C3PO, yeah. Yeah, C3PO. I get those numbers and letters jacked up all the time. <laughs> he, they needed some information and they had to reboot him or whatever. So he didn't know R2-D2. So that was in the new trilogy, right? Yeah, he, he is basically um, wiped back to factory settings, as it were, because he, he would need to get the information to them. But to do that basically corrupts his memory so yeah yeah um, yeah yeah because yeah. okay, yeah. i was thinking they did that to r2d2 in the prequels or some shit that's why he didn't say shit but i don't think that happened <laughs> no yeah it's like it when you get to the end of nine r2 is the only one that knows everything that has happened yeah he <laughs> is like the stenographer of the star wars universe pretty much yep <laughs> he's been there and done it all indeed <laughs> uh now, um, I, I had a couple of notes, like, continuing to move uh, in the thing. Like, as I was going through, one thing I wrote down was I honestly loved how much Han hates C-3PO. Yeah, like, C-3PO he, was a bitch in this movie. Oh, yeah, like, he's a space racist. Like yeah, just complaining and just bitching about everything. I was like, wow. Yeah. Well, and, I never and, remembered him being that naggy. Yeah, and, and then there is a line where... Chewie is choking uh, Lando, and like, and then they end up leaving at the end. And C three PO like is apologizing, and just said, "After all, he's only a Wookiee." It's like, dude, come on! <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he's a wow. savage. That's what he's saying. <laughs> yeah, it's just like yeah, C three PO is, and obviously the voice definitely. You can feel that's what they were going for. Like he definitely feels like a upper class English person who's gone on holiday, and is <laughs> just completely out of his debt. Say, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, oh no, I, yeah, I, I am so sorry. I didn't realize I couldn't do it. Like, it's, yeah, it's yeah. He he's just all the pieces when he's separated from R two. <laughs> 
and uh, given they were separated, uh, I I did already know about the whole Lando double crossing thing. Yeah. Like um, I I knew that was coming, not not just because um, I think I'd I'd read about Lando Calrissian because I was doing something for Solo. Um, for another podcast, uh, so I yeah. kind of looked up the character, uh, but also because of several references I've seen in pop culture, including uh, Spaced. Um, I don't know if... Uh, uh, have I've you heard seen... of it, but never seen it. Okay, um, I hardly recommend it, uh, but there is a the first episode of the second season, there is a bit where basically that that thing happens where there's a bit of a double cross, and the main character turns to the person who's done it and just says you lando like yes. <laughs> um so it's like okay I, yeah I, I get i knew this was coming but i really did enjoy the way they foreshadowed it in the film where yeah. you had c3po being attacked by something and if you were really thinking that it was that that voice sounds like stormtroopers we've heard and that uh you know him being shot sounded like blaster fire. So, mm-hmm. yeah, a- anyone paying attention would have actually caught that. And uh, then um, what I realized watching this film or whatever, you know, the ties to him and Lando, uh, Solo and Lando through the Millennium Falcon, uh, watching the Solo movie. Now, there was a part to when they got back on the ship and it was making C-3PO, you know, link into it so he can talk to the ship. And I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot about that." <laughs> yeah, that's and yeah, that was really interesting because uh, again, like uh, thinking about it, where you're doing it retroactively, clearly when they were making this film, they were saying talk to it, interface with it, like you know, machine to machine. Yeah. Whereas, like obviously, Solo has taken that and gone, "Oh, okay," like they've actually going to be a communication because of what has happened in solo yeah they, uh, they put a, a sentient being a, you know robot ai or whatever you want to call it into the ship to make it work right <laughs> yeah and yeah I, I i again i i have enjoyed seeing and hearing all of these things that have kind of let the penny drop on several things oh mm-hmm. okay so that's what i got um now, obviously, we have probably uh, to uh, to use a colloquialism here, um, possibly the most baller line in the entirety of cinema uh, towards the end of this film, uh, where Leia finally lets Han know out loud that she loves him, and his response of just being, "I know,", I know. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that there was when you first met Lando, and it's like, okay, this guy is smooth in the way that mm-hmm. Han wants to be. Smooth like butter, baby, mm-hmm. or smooth <laughs> like a bottle of Coke Forty Five. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and then when Han ends up saying that line, it's like mm, he wins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, Lando. Lando is smooth. He is clearly smooth. He has played fantastically. Uh, and 
you know, it's clear as you're watching him, this this is who he is. This is who he's always been. This is how he does his dealing. This is just that he clearly schmoozes his way across the galaxy. Um, and, and Han is just brash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He definitely is, but he's, um, and yeah, to, to kind of, um, to kind of draw from the D and D analogy again, um, he's the, he's, he's kind of like the, the, the bard that just keeps getting those, you know, those, critical roles as it were to um to make those checks when it absolutely is needed to further the plot however mm. he failed miserably at everything else um, it's just uh, and my favorite running joke or running thing in this entire film was the fact that that hyperdrive just would not work mm-hmm. <laughs> three times they try to activate it and all three times nothing <laughs> so it was, yeah that i i really really enjoyed that and just how frustrated han got every single time <laughs> um, yeah and it was just like i can't remember from the the one previous to this film did the hyperdrive work in that film or did they even entertain it in that film? It did. It did. It, it worked. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. That's what I was having trouble remembering. Because if, like, let's just say, you know, we know it works. Or it was just a myth that was told in the first film. The one previous to this that, oh, we have hyperdrive. We can do this thing. And it never worked up until this point. And people are like, oh, shit, it really do work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, um, I, I believe uh, in in the film, there's a line of, like, it gets damage because of something that we see happen in the film Mm -hmm. and then they just aren't able to properly fix it until r2 does his thing Um, so yeah it's uh it was fun um and and also the uh one thing that i did not realize was from star wars is that weird space worm like that the thing where they they go into the cave yeah i forgot completely about that thing that was weird <laughs> yeah was like, I, I i realized when i saw that happen i was like i have seen so many references to this mm. like there, there's been so many things and it's like i just didn't even know there were a reference it was just like oh that's weird but now it's like, oh gotcha <laughs> uh yeah i i i found that really interesting i actually i didn't know where that was going when it happened it was really fun um and yeah, I mean, I I think it's probably fairly safe to say, as anyone that will have listened to the previous episode and listened to this will be able to tell. Um, I really enjoyed this film more than I enjoyed episode four. Um, yeah, and then that was that was, you was like uh, pick one. And I was like five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even hesitate. I was like, I got I got to get the middle one. Because uh, yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I, I, as you said, yeah, I, I gave you your your pick, and uh, you were pretty immediate in this one. Um, and yeah, so it's it's gonna be interesting because I I know that there's there's kind of a, a friendly rivalry within the Star Wars community that which is better five or six, and I've I've heard argument both ways. Um, the majority of them not really giving away much plot wise. Um, it's just more people just saying they preferred 
how five ended versus how six ended or like where where the universe is sitting within those films and how things have come together so it's like i'm interested to see six i do know uh some of this oh and again either just through pop culture or just general osmosis um i do know some of the events and things that will happen in six i'm just intrigued to see exactly where this goes because um at this point in time i can't see myself liking six more than five what i do like about um the star wars universe you know current day that when they go back and do the retroactive stuff like you know how we spoke about solo and uh, rogue one yeah even um battlefront two which takes place immediately after episode six okay so there's stories to be told still within um, the star wars universe that um continue long after you know the original trilogy that you know still it answers those questions that people generally have you know because there you got to think about it there were teams that were sent out to different from this movie you know that we learned that they sent teams out to all quadrants of the of space to look for the rebels so when they did find the rebels on Hoth, those other teams weren't notified so they were still out there looking and doing shit (laughs) you know (laughs) so when six ends it was kind of that situation it was a a team of uh imperial guard and troopers and stuff on another planet that just got the word of the events you know the ending events of uh, episode six which i won't say right (laughs) yeah 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 it's interesting because i um i as you say like that it feels a lot like the story of that one japanese soldier that was still fighting world war ii alone in a jungle somewhere for like 30 years because he just refused to believe that the war was over until they got his old superior officer to come out of retirement to go to him and officially tell him it was over. Like it's just. And then he stabbed him in the chest. He's like, "You forgot me out here." <laughs> yeah. Imagine, imagine if you were someone, you know, on the imperial side who like doesn't find out about the end of that particular series of events um, until like two years later because you've just been stationed somewhere and they just yeah, haven't bothered yeah. to get around to I mean, that, that, that's the That's the thing about it all. It's just, it's space. They sent you to the <laughs> far reaches of space to go conduct and do things and set up camps and bases and then the Death Star blows up. You lose that communication and you don't hear from them so you just continue with business as you were ordered to. You know, mm-hmm. that's some loyal-ass shit, but still, <laughs> um, maybe six months in, maybe less, I'm like, hey. Uh, Anyone ever go back to us? <laughs> some, can we send a scout ship back? Can we go check on somebody? Can we do, can we do something? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely looking forward to seeing Six, because I'm looking forward to seeing how this trilogy ends. Um Obviously, I know some of the events and I know I probably know the major things that happened just because. Uh, but yeah, I'm that's looking forward what to I find myself doing with this film. I'm not going to lie to you. In the first yeah. couple of minutes, I was kind of dozing off. But <laughs> it was almost a thing to where 
I was looking for the thing that everybody would always reference when it came to Star Wars. And I was just like, ah, there it is. Yeah. Ah, there it is. <laughs> ah, there it is. <laughs> now, so this will be interesting. And so, so as you say, um, it had been a while since you last watched this. Um, is there anything that you saw when you were watching it again that you were either like, I do not remember that at all, or you were... Or maybe you were watching it and you were just a bit more critical of it this time. Like, is there, is there anything? Kinda, well, not so much. Okay. Because I didn't even bother to take notes this time around. I just oh. wanted to watch this film because I hadn't seen it in maybe decades. No, yeah, but that's fine. <laughs> it was just, I tried to enjoy it as much as I could without falling asleep. <laughs> but, um, I was just more of, because when I seen it a long time ago, it was just, current gen of that movie you know vhs type or you know old school tv to right. see it now fully restored colorful vibrant and everything i was kind of paying attention and paying attention to those things because there was a part in there when vader was walking out the room and the bottom of his cape was dirty as shit <laughs> just <laughs> dusty from just dragging on the floor and everything and i i was noticing and picking out certain stuff like that and right. then um you know we haven't covered it yet, but there's the infamous line that everybody quotes wrong throughout <laughs> pop culture about the father and all that stuff, you know? Yeah. And, um, this time around, watching this movie, you know, currently, I pieced together that one bit of continuity that we have yet to touch on. Yet. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I, I was, I was going to say, obviously the last thing we'll be touching on, the big thing, the big takeaway from uh, from this film, uh, but something that uh, that Mike was uh, telling me about in the last episode was how George Lucas was fighting with the studio a bit because the people that were there when they were shooting the scenes in between each take, they were always cleaning the floors so that the floors were always sparkling clean yeah. and. George Lucas was saying, well, no, like, come on, this is a heavily used space station. There's going to be people walking all over. The floors are going to be dirty. Maybe they're clean to the end of the day, but it's not going to be sparkling clean every single time. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the studio people basically uh, won out in in the end, and, you know, the just shiny look of it does kind of build the appeal uh, but I did notice there was one or two little robots kind of like trundling around, especially as Vader was exiting a scene. And I I couldn't help but think just like, oh, maybe like that was put in there so that they could point to something and say, no, that's the cleaning robot. That's why it was so clean. <laughs> yeah. And there are little robots and droids like that sprinkled out through all these films to mm -hmm. where it looks like their primary function is cleaning. Yeah. You know, and then... You know, George may have fought that, but it kind of helped with the overall aesthetic of the series when they went back to make the prequels because all that was kind of clean and shiny-like or whatever, and you would have kind of lost that uh, synchronicity between the films if, you know, you left all that kind of grimy and dirty and everything like that. You know, you wouldn't have that Star Wars look, that shine, that glint when you go into certain areas. It even carries over into the newer films as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and yeah, it was, it was interesting. I also uh, 
you know, because I am uh, a big fan of the film itself, I definitely got a bit of a Wally uh, flash yeah. when I saw that little robot, and I was like, "Oh, okay, that's that's that little this little guy's like foreign foreign contaminant." And it didn't have a lot of dialogue. In it. No, it did not. Very little dialogue in that film. Very well done. Um, uh, but yes, uh, obviously we must uh, now touch on the uh, the big takeaway from this film. So this is, of course, the film where everyone found out that Darth Vader was, in fact, Luke Skywalker's father. Mm-hmm. And Especially Luke. <laughs> oh, oh, can't be. It's impossible. Yes. Yes, search your feelings. You know it to be true. Um, but yeah, it, because I have seen many articles, I have seen many conversations about this. Like, yeah, I I was aware that this line is so often misquoted. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah, because he's like, I am your father. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So no, he didn't say I am. I think he just said I'm your father. See, I'm misquoting yeah. it now. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just, uh, it's interesting because I, I often wonder how these lines get misquoted in the first place. It's now, the Mandela effect. I, I think now, given that this film came out in 1980, I can fully understand how the initial germ of, like, no, Luke, I am your father, um, would have started to get out there because... Yeah, there's no real internet back then. Mm-hmm. It is just people talking about it outside of yes. the cinema, and no the matter how many, game. yeah, no matter how many times you've gone to the cinema and watched it, there's going to be enough people that will misquote it that it'll just become part of the the general knowledge that it is no Luke, I am your father, but that is not the line yeah. at all. Uh, <laughs> so, and then I've heard that even predating me seeing the films originally so if i went into it knowing that it was i mean having it in my mind that it was said that way before even seeing the movie so <laughs> yeah and it it's it's interesting i mean i um yeah i i enjoyed watching it and yeah i again i've seen the robot chicken star wars special so the whole thing of yeah no, that's impossible. Like I, I knew it was coming, and I will fully admit as well, um, I am a fan of CinemaSins, so mm-hmm. when Luke is yelling no, and he does it twice, I heard the CinemaSin just going, no. Yeah, it was, even with all that, and even with it being, I already knew it was coming, um, like actually watching it and seeing how it played out, um, I, it I still... Yeah, it was, it was weird, but I I did enjoy the scene. I enjoyed mm-hmm. seeing it. Everything like I didn't know, um, yeah. Obviously, Luke jumping off. I didn't I didn't know the full extent of you know he falls off and then goes on a log flume ride for a little bit and then mm-hmm. just kind of uh, just falls out. Um, and and then seeing him, yeah, not not just using the force to do a giant. 20 foot vertical leap as he does a little earlier to get out of the the carbonite uh, chamber but like seeing him actively trying to communicate and using the force with someone that we haven't seen being at all force sensitive like mm-hmm. and that, that was your um what did you call that foreshadowing <laughs> yeah so 
So yeah, it was um, it was it was fun. Like and and I thought it was also showing Luke's growth in using the Force. Like because obviously he was he, he was training with Yoda and he was getting better. Uh, and then he goes and he fights Yoda. And, no, he doesn't. He fights uh, Vader. Um, and yeah, he's clearly not a match for Vader. However, yeah. it I've I've just from watching that scene and seeing him at the end, like it was clear to me that he'd learned from yeah. all of these things, and like he realized that you know he he couldn't reach out to Ben because there's, there's nothing that he can really do for him. And Ben be there if you want to be there. <laughs> yes, um, and yeah. You know, even on top of the fact that uh, that Ben had specifically told him, if you go, I will not be there with you. Yeah. So, but yeah, like seeing him like center himself and use his training to reach out, like I, I thought it was, I, I thought it was a really good, like quick yeah. way of showing that Luke is taking in what he has learned and he is using it effectively. And now, yeah. That. <laughs> is my bit of continuity and character development throughout this whole film. So, what do all those instances entail? Luke hanging upside down by his feet or legs. First, mm-hmm. in the cave with the freaking Hoff Yeti, hanging upside down by his feet, he uses the force to summon his lightsaber, gets himself out of the situation. Secondly, he's with Yoda. When Yoda's training him, he trains him upside down. That's how he started gaining those cognitive abilities. Twice that they showed that when he was training with Yoda. And third and lastly, when it counted the most, he was hanging upside down from Cloud City by his feet. And that's when he summoned Layla. And there you go. That's the continuity. And that's the progression of that character throughout that whole film. Learning upside down. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, so apparently Luke is the most effective upside down. <laughs> so- <laughs> So maybe in uh, in eight he should have just been on his head when meditating. <laughs> like I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah, I, I thought that uh, was. I, it just took me this viewing today to piece all that together. It's just you know I don't know what it is about that. It's just it it was a constant thing. I just kept noticing it. He's upside down. Okay, you get himself out of the situation. He's upside down. He's learning. He's upside down. He's learning again. He's upside down. He masters it. <laughs> yeah, it it's it's interesting, like and and that does seem like something that would be too much of a coincidence. You know, like that that feels like that would be something that was absolutely planned and put in there yeah. on purpose. Cause, and it, and it kind of yeah. syncs up with what happened throughout the film. Luke had a premonition, a vision of what was going to happen with Layla and Han. So Yoda made had the same inclination. So he put him in that situation that he would be in later to show him something, you know? Uh, yeah. And and that's, that is also interesting because obviously we know Yoda has a mischievous streak to him because hell, we're introduced to him that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he clearly is serious and he's upset that Luke is leaving, but... and exactly. I want yeah. you to remember this in this instance. Remember your training. And when if you're ever in this situation again, just think back on this. And yeah. he was in that situation, he thought back on his training, and he was able to succeed. Yeah, and, and it it is something that I found interesting, because I actually, I, uh, I watched this film 
twice because I wanted to kind of go back and mm -hmm. I wanted to watch it pure on the first viewing and then get some notes on the second one. Um, and yeah, I, I was thinking that Yoda, for someone who keeps saying that if Luke were to leave, he might get turned to the dark side and that could be the worst thing like for the Jedi, even though there is another, as he says, um, he doesn't put up much of a fight. Like, he really is just like, no, don't do it. No, don't do it. Okay, bye. Like, that's, he knows, yeah. You know, is the Mr. Miyagi effect. He was teaching him how to paint the fence. You know, he's like, why are you trying to teach me how to paint the fence? I want to learn martial arts. And he's like, high block, low block. You know, he's teaching them, he's teaching beyond the teaching. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 really cool to see some of the things they've been doing with this and and i feel like i'm just based on this film alone i can see why so many people have been drawn into this franchise and like mm -hmm. what was becoming the um the the big uh trilogy and big property that we know because um as i mentioned in my previous episode i i wasn't that big of a fan of four i didn't i after my first watch i was kind of sitting back and i was just like i don't fully understand how this film led to this franchise like it um i i said it uh to mike he had a good rebuttal i'd be interested to get your take on it actually so i'll, I'll tell mm -hmm. you here now so i personally think um that if that film let's say Star Wars hadn't been made, and it was going to be made today. Um, so that film, with that script, and everything that happens in the film happening the way it's made, but just made with updated graphics, but made today, I think it would just turn into more of a like Michael Bay-esque space fighting explosions and flashy. Yeah. But it wouldn't make enough... To make a sequel i don't think it would turn into what it turned into if it was made for the first time today i think it would have because you have because it would have been based on some kind of source material at this point if it was made current day right and you see films that are getting made that are based off a, a original property all right the hunger games that was a trilogy yeah um with the divergent series that was a trilogy freaking um the uh what's that maze runner that's a trilogy you know some of these movies they have their niche audience i mentioned these three different film franchises that have trilogies and some of you be like what the fuck <laughs> you know <laughs> and it's i believe star wars would fit into that niche it would have its niche i mean like it does currently right. but it wouldn't be just this big grandiose thing that it is now it wouldn't get acquired by disney it wouldn't have his own theme park in Disneyland and all this other stuff. We wouldn't, I don't think we would even have the references now that we have from then here if that movie was made now and then. I mean, not here and now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is like, I, I feel like these films, this original trilogy, could only have been made when they were made. Yeah. Because obviously the technology was at a point where it was getting good and definitely these were some of the best effects that were available to them at the time and therefore mm -hmm. you know trying to as someone now think back what 40 years 
and go, like, okay, I don't know about computer graphics. I'm just going to sit down and watch, like, you, you can't do that. So yeah. to us, it's always going to look dated. But um, having seen many films from around that time and many things from around then, like, I can look at it and really appreciate, like, yep, that was very state-of-the-art. Some of the stuff they've been doing is some of the, especially some of the, the sound design. Uh-huh. Like phenomenal work. Um, so really well done. Uh, and my question to you though, okay, will there ever be a mo- a set of movies, a franchise as big as Star Wars has become, starting from now into the future? Do you think there'll ever be another cultural phenomenon such as Star Wars? Um, I would say yes, um, but only because there is one other franchise. And what has now become just this epic culture um, in modern day, and that would be the MCU. Uh, yeah. I would argue, I would argue that it's becoming bigger than Star Wars at this point, and I think that people are probably going to be willing to put more behind the MCU at this point than Star Wars, especially given the uh, and again, no pun intended, lukewarm reaction that the recent trilogy received um and that, that that was just a bunch of people bitching though it was I mean, we, we, we can be honest <laughs> with that it's just like oh you're messing with my memories <laughs> <laughs> you know that's yeah. what that was i firmly believe if i would have just if i had no knowledge of the the original trilogy and the prequels that would come later and i would just start right here with episode freaking seven i'm content with that because <laughs> oh, i yeah. the, I believe all the new shit that they've done from seven on up until now has been great. Yep. I like all of it. <laughs> yeah, I I will say I think Solo's the weakest. It is, um, but it's not bad. Yeah, I I I enjoyed watching it. I might not go back and rewatch it. Mm-hmm. I own but, it, uh, but I haven't <laughs> watched it since I seen it in the theaters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I um. Wow, that's yeah. weird to say too. Since I seen it in theaters, yeah. Damn you, COVID. Ah, <laughs> oh, rage fist. Oh hell, just insert the Darth Vader. No, from the end. Yeah, of the- like they inserted. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I think yeah, like, like I said, I think uh, MCU at this point is sort of becoming the new. Yeah, Star Wars for that. This but, generation um, Star Wars. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Yeah, this I can now see why people say, you know, obviously these films kind of defined that generation, and like these films are kind of the pinnacle of that era yeah. of 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 sci-fi. And, and uh, you know, just thinking about what you're saying, you know, how Marvel proper now is, you know, this generation Star Wars or whatever. Just think about what Star Wars did for that generation and the innovations and creations of that to be, you know, that would go on to create the MCU. You know, just people seeing Star Wars for the first time when it originally came out and just being captivated about it and just, you know, going off to do things inspired by that that would later shape and give us the MCU because you know some characters are influenced by this or just some people that might have been inspired to create their own characters because of that which 
spawned into somewhere in the MCU or DC or whatever you want to have. Right. If we didn't have that, we probably wouldn't have what we have today. What I would like, though, mm-hmm. if somebody's listening that has the means or get inspired by the words that I'm about to utter now. <laughs> Technology is very advanced now. We Looking at this franchise compared to some of the stuff that we can do with computer graphics and all the technology that we have at our disposal now, what I would ask is take the most high-end part of the technology that we have, make a completely CGI film. Make the characters look as real as possible. Do the best job that you can possible. Or make it a particular style that will not age. So let's just say... It's only they make a film with characters that only have three colors. I'm just you know making it very simple. <laughs> they only have three colors throughout the whole thing. So if you make a trilogy that's very Star Wars esque, I mean like it gains that popularity to where it can just be referenced for generation to generation to generation. If you decide to go make a prequel or you know something, you can make those prequels in that same exact style, and it won't mismatch because yeah. that's what we suffered here. You had the original trilogy that was bound by the technology of that day and age. Then you made prequels with technology that was leaps and bounds surpassing that of what they had at that time. And then you make a continuation trilogy that surpasses leaps and bounds of the two previous trilogies before then. And they don't look right. They don't match. They don't mesh other than the content that is presented. So if you can hear me, if you, you can do this, if you can inspire to do this, make it to where it's future proof is what I'm saying. Thank you. Yeah, I was, I was saying, and um, kind of taking off from that, I think that one style that could possibly work for that would be if you were to make it uh, not CG, but imagine if someone were to make it in the style of, say, anime, but specifically like bleach anime style like Mm -hmm. i feel that that would be very well uh a very good like style to use especially since obviously you've got the force so you would be able to just put in all those little things like maybe a little bit of the dust in the air between vader's hand and the throat of the person like it all just stops in that area you know I think it would be very cool. And you know what, though? They they lost that in the new trilogy. Because, you know, when they first revealed um, Kylo Ren, when he dropped down on the planet and he stopped the fucking the bullet or the phaser or the laser or whatever, then he yeah. picked up old dude and it was just like harsh. It was shaky. It was rough or whatever. But you lost that throughout the series. It was never like how it was depicted in that first instance in the um, first episode of the new trilogy yeah and i thought that was badass i was like oh this dude is the shit (laughs) but then it just stopped being like that yeah very much because that was badass i'm i'm thinking about it right now and i was like man i want to watch that just that scene again (laughs) yeah that was a very good introduction (laughs) i um well yeah i i genuinely think uh i've gone over everything that uh Uh, i could from this one i think we could probably leave the folks there we definitely got a a fair chunk of podcasts for them to listen to oh yeah so um uh if people have been enjoying our discussion and want to find out where they can get a hold of you where can they do so first of all you got to stand on your head 
<laughs> so you can focus properly. Mm-hmm. And then um, use the force to get on Twitter and find me at 3RShow. Also, force choke somebody else into using your device to find me on Instagram at the3rshow. I'm new to Twitch, so you can find me on Twitch. Just search for 3RShow. You kind of get the theme here. But for anything that I may have forgotten to Mitch, you can find it all on randomrob.com. And yes, uh, if you wanted to get a hold of us for whatever reason, um, you can just search at Blokebusters on uh, many social medias. Uh, we also have blokebusters.com, which looks uh, quite nice. It's uh, you know, just me kind of keeping that going, but I, I like uh, the way I put that together. Uh, you can email us if you want it in long form. Uh, it's theblokes at blokebusters.com if you really want to dive into everything that I got wrong about this mm-hmm. film and how I'm yes. absolutely a terrible person for yell all us, my opinions. Yell at us through your keyboard. <laughs> and uh, it, I, I will reply to, uh, to anything people have to say if they wish to have a discussion with us. If you wish to just yell, then I, I might reply anyway. Who yeah. knows? We'll see. Put the caps lock on. <laughs> Indeed, yes. It's not a proper discussion unless at least three words are all in capital letters. So yes, with that being said, I will say thank you very much, Birav, for being back on again. It is always a pleasure to have you here. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the opportunity, sir. Yeah, <laughs> no problem whatsoever. Uh, so I will let all of you good people go, and uh, I will talk to you yet again in the near future, where I will be discussing episode six with another very fun guest so see you next time bye the sacred text <laughs> conversation anyway